Shalom Aleichem, everybody. Thank you for coming. A pleasure to welcome everybody. Uh, the Rav was here, and our friend Mayer, and also our friend Doobie. Welcome back from uh, your vacation. Thank you, anybody listening on the podcast. Very much appreciated. And, of course, we want to give, once again, a big ashakach to our friend, our devoted Gabay, Ari Hartman, for taking care of the food, as he does every single week. And shout-out to our friends at Carve. And once again, we're dedicating this year as a schuster for Shlema for uh, one of the owners of Carve, Arya Klein. He could seal Arya Mematel Rus, he should have a for Shlema the Carve. Sir Shachal Yisrael. Beis Hashem. Daniel Zev. Daniel Zev. Daniel Zev. Daniel Zev. Daniel Zev. Daniel Zev. We're holding Beis Hashem by Parshas. Two parshas again this week, like last week. And we mentioned last week that the idea of Sfirah Sa'imer is to connect Pesach to Shavuos through working on ourselves, improving ourselves as we prepare ourselves for Kabbalah Satayra. And included in Kabbalah Satayra is, of course, also, as we know, the Luchais, there were two Luchais. One was Ben Adam Lamokim, and one is Ben Adam Lachaveir. So Ben Adam Lachaveir is an integral part of Kabbalah Satayra. In a certain sense, you could say it's even a prerequisite to acquire Taira, as Chazal tell us, and it's actually, that's the reason that during these weeks and months, so Claudius has the meaning of learning Pirkeovitz, which deals a lot with the of Ben Adam Lachaveir and Yoni Deircheretz, because that is also one of the pathways, one of the necessary acquirements that we have to have as we prepare ourselves for Kabbalah Satayra, improving not only in our connection to the Rebbeinu Shalalem, but also in our Benadam Lechaveira as well. And I want to start off with a beautiful story. A biography came out recently on Rebellion Mayor Sarotskin, who was a Rosh Hashiva in Springfield, New Jersey. He wasn't so well known outside the uh, yeshiva world, but uh, he was very dynamic and warm Rebbe for many, many hundreds of Talmidim, and really uh, 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 an Adam Gadol, he unfortunately was Nifter at a relatively young age, he was in his 60s, and they wrote a biography about his life, really a, a fascinating person. And in addition to being a Gadol Bataira and somebody who uh, he was renowned throughout the yeshiva world as somebody who has tremendous amelus in Taira, he could harva over a svara for hours at a time, you know, just thinking about something and, and thinking more and more and delving deeper and deeper. So that was his uniqueness, but also his Benadam Lechaveir was also very special. And they bring there a very beautiful story. He was living here in Flatbush before he moved the yeshiva to New Jersey. And a Talmud, who used to eat at his house on Shabbos, noticed that every Shabbos, there's all kinds of down, downtrodden people who would end up at his suda. People who came from broken homes, it's a brachana people, homeless people, all kinds of people, they would end up at his table. And he saw this like a pattern every single week. So finally he says, Rabbi, what's this all about? How do... Where do you find these people? 
So Rabbi Sarotskin turns to him and he says to him, when someone has an open heart, then you don't have to find the tzabrachana people. Rather, they find you. They find you. An open heart. And as they describe in the book, he had an open heart and he had a bright heart. A bright heart means like an expanding heart. Very, very large giving personality. And Mimela, these downtrodden people, they were attracted to him, like they said, like a magnet. And the truth is, we mentioned Sphere Soimer, so it's brought down that the 49 days correspond to the words Lev Toiv. Lev is 32, Gematria. Toiv is Gematria 17. Combining Lev Toiv, so during these during these uh, days, we're supposed to work on also acquiring a good heart. So, here we have three ways to describe a person being a Mitsuyan, being a good Yid in terms of an Adam Lechaveirai, a good heart, a Lev Taiv, an open heart, and a broad heart. And these are all necessary if we want to be a good Yid. As we said, the Luchais had one benadam l'makam, one benadam l'chaveirai, and in the Klai Yisrael, these two things go hand in hand. And this is something we see in the parasha, the second parasha, parasha's Kedoshim, which starts off with the mitzvah of Kedoshim Tiyuki, Kedosh Ani Hashem And the Torah then goes on to say a bunch of mitzvahs of benadam l'chaveirai. For example, Laisisa Pnei Dal, one of the mitzvahs that we have, and we all know it, is which is a mitzvah that all of us are obligated to fulfill. And Rashi says, this is referring to being done lekav zchus, giving someone the benefit of the doubt. You observe someone doing something, and it's a 50-50 chance. You know, he's not learning, he's not davening, he's doing something that maybe it's a good thing, Maybe it's not a good thing, says the Torah. You know him to be a good yid, then there's a mitzvah to be done in Lakav Schus. And this is something that we all have to do. The Gemara in Shabbos brings a famous story. There was a person who came from the Galil, that's the upper part of Eretz Yisrael, the north. And he hired himself by the house of someone in the south for a period of three years. Okay, after three years, it's Erev Yom Kippur, and finally he says to his boss, pay me and let me go back to uh, support my wife and kids. Says the uh, boss, I have no money to give you. Again, this is after three years of work. Okay, you uh, you don't have any money, so give me food. I don't have any food. Give me at least some property. I have no property. Give me some animals, some livestock. I don't have. So give me some clothing, some blankets, some pillows. I don't have. Okay? So, the worker gets on his horse and he heads back home, obviously disappointed. But he didn't say anything. Yamtiv goes by. And sure enough, a few days later, the man, the owner, the balabas, shows up with three donkeys laden. One with food, one with drink. And one with other stuff. They sit down, they eat. 
And the, and the man, the employer says, when I told you I don't have any money to give you, what did you think? He said, maybe use up all your cash because there was a good business deal that came up and you decided to invest in it. <coughs> and when, I, when you asked me for animals and I said I don't have any, what do you say? I said, maybe you rented all your animals out to others. And when I told you I have no properties, what did you think? I, what, and, I, and, I, and what did you think? He said, maybe you rented all your properties as well. And when I said I have no food, he said, maybe that means that you didn't give micers off your food, and there's no micers off your food, then they can't be eaten. And when I said I don't have any blankets, clothing, he says, maybe you gave all your valuables to Hegdish. Says the employer, I have to tell you that this exactly is how things unfolded. This was 100% true. Everything I told you was true. I didn't have anything. And you should be benched. That you were that you were done with the kavzchus, and he explains that he was able to be matir the neder, and that's how he was able to get the things back. But al kaponim, he says to him, "Keshem shadam tani lizchus, amokim yodan oischal lizchus." A beautiful story, and that's how we, the the life of a yid. Now, obviously, this is not something that a regular person could uh, could fulfill. And the gemara and the uh, it's brought down the mafarshim that these actually these two people they they were uh, tanoim, but without getting into the into the details. The idea is that as good Yidin and as good people were meant to look at people with a good eye, a good eye and think good about them. And even if we're not sure, and there's a possibility that what they're doing is wrong, if there's a way to be done on the Kav's Chus, then we're supposed to do that. I myself, I've got to tell you two stories that happened to me. One happened three years ago, one happened just recently. Start with a story that happened recently. I was in the American Dream Mall with my kids on Cholmite Sukkot this past year. And, you know, we're walking around, it's towards evening, and I see there's a fellow, obviously uh, from Yid, he's wearing a jacket and a tie, and he's sitting and eating a sandwich in the middle of the mall, and it's on Sukkis. So I was very surprised. So I go over to him and I say, you know, and, and uh, if you're ever at the mall, uh, so the third, the top floor, there's like this big uh, rotunda, it's like a skylight, a huge skylight where the food court is. So I, like, sarcastically, I said to him, what, is this a, a kosher sukkah? And he says to me, he looks at me, and he says, it's pouring rain outside. Pouring rain outside. I mean, <laughs> you see, I'm from yet eating in, indoors on sukkahs. So really, you should be down on the kav's chus. Other story happened three, three plus years ago. We, we had gone to... What's that? Of course I apologized, Yes. Yes, and and I felt very bad afterwards. But uh, you know, this is something that that that's really we're, we're obligated to do. Another story: we were in Eretz Yisrael uh, three years ago, and I reached out to a few old friends. Uh, one friend, I left him a message on WhatsApp. You know, I'm coming to Eretz Yisrael, and I'm 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 here now, and I'd love to meet with you. Now, on WhatsApp, usually you're able to tell if the person read your message or not, or heard your message, because you know the the the. Uh, the lines. Right. The lines turn blue if they were red. And I see that he read my message. I'm here. I'm here for a week. I'd love to meet with you. Please call me. Okay. Now the guy, so I said to myself, okay, listen, he obviously, he heard the message. He saw it. <coughs> no response. Nothing. Okay, so obviously, he doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to meet up with me. And, you know, these are friendships that go back many, many years. So it could be, you know, he's busy with his life. I don't blame him. You know, but I felt a little bit disappointed. Okay, life goes on. Please answer. <laughs> it's half a year later. I'm not exaggerating. It's uh, 
Half a year later, literally, when I get a message on WhatsApp from him. And he says to me, Shalom Tzvi, I apologize. My kids take my phone all the time. And they watch, they read my messages, and they don't always tell me what they, what they read. <laughs> he says, and I don't always check it myself. What happened was, your message was here, and my kids played it, and I didn't hear it. They heard it, and it just went on. I didn't know about it. I didn't know that you were here, and I apologize. All right, so there you go. Half a year later, I got the answer. This was unintentional. He didn't know, and, and you know, everything is fine. So, you know, there too, you know, you see that, that uh, certain things where we, you know, we take for granted, we automatically rush to judgment. A lot of times you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised how things unfolded. So I'm saying to myself, you know, we have to be mechazek in this Indian and of, of judging people favorably. And as we said, when we do that, the Rebbeinah Shalalem also, he judges us favorably. The Torah continues after this mitzvah of B'Tzedek Tishpet HaMisecha. Don't hate your friend, your brother in your heart. And then finally, the Pasuk that we're all familiar with. So all of this is built up to this great mitzvah of and Rashi brings down This is how a Yid is supposed to live his life. We have to understand the Torah kind of gives a, a like a preface, like a, an introduction to this mitzvah by saying, first of all, don't hate your, your brother in your heart. And what is the connection to between these three and Yonim? So I saw a very beautiful pshat from Rabbi Foreman. We mentioned him here many times. And he says like this, you know, there's something called being passive-aggressive. A person... It feels slighted. He feels hurt. Somebody offended him. Someone said something not nice to him or did something not nice to him. And he has bad feelings towards that person. But he doesn't want to speak up. What does he do instead? He walks around with a feeling of hurt, giving off bad, bad vibes, but without actually confronting what happened. Now you might say, oh, well, that's a good thing. He doesn't want to cause machlekes. He doesn't want to make a big deal about things. But the truth is it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Because when a person walks around with that feeling of passive aggressiveness, then that causes matters to be even worse. Person's walking around, let's say he gives someone the silent treatment. Okay, I'm not talking to you anymore. And he thinks to himself, no, I'm doing this for a good thing. I don't want to cause machlekes. No, no, no. That's a lot worse. That's a lot worse. Because the silent treatment means the means to the person, like, I don't even think about you. I don't even go with you. You're nothing to me. Not a good thing. Says the Torah, Don't walk around with keeping the hatred and the feelings of hurt inside of you. Somebody you feel did something wrong to you, go over to him and say, you know, I feel that what happened here wasn't right. And you say to him in a nice way, Not by putting him down, not by calling him names, not by throwing at him the kitchen sink, but in a decent way. You know, I feel, I feel that I was wronged. And chances are, a lot of times, A, maybe you were wrong in interpreting what he did, and he'll explain to you what he meant. And even if not, well, okay, then he'll apologize. But don't walk around with keeping the hurt inside of you. That's not a good thing. 
continues the Torah. What's going to happen if you don't do that? There's Nakima, Nakama, a person, we all know what that is. A person walks around and he's feeling angry at the other person. He says, okay, you didn't do this for me, I'm not going to do that for you. But there's something called also Natira, which is also a love. What does that mean? Rashi explains. That's, not, that's Nakama, yeah. But Natira is a little bit different. Someone asks you, can I borrow your, uh, your hoe, the thing that you use in the ground? To, uh, to shovel. And he says to you, I asked someone else, and he says to me, no. The next day, he says, can you lend me your axe? And you say to him, yes, I'm going to lend you my axe. I'm not like some people, hint, hint, wink, wink, who don't lend their shovel to others. That's Natira. And that too is a love day raisa that you're not supposed to do. Says Rashi, mm-hmm. You're keeping the anger in your heart. And we, as we know, Natira is a legend of Shmira, of guarding. What are you guarding? You're guarding your anger. And again, this goes back to that passive aggressiveness that you're keeping the feelings inside of you. And you're letting the person kind of feed off those feelings, says the Torah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't let those feelings boil up inside of you. Let it out. Speak it out. And that is the way to develop proper relationships. And, you know, speaking of this topic of Passive aggressiveness. So, you know, if you read about it, this really sometimes, you know, in the workforce, you'll find people who they're very like uh, sarcastic and bitter. You know, and they'll come to work, they'll show up, but they give off these feelings of negativity. Like everything is, you know, they'll, they'll look at anything that the boss does in a bad way and they're always going to give negative comments about it. But they're not going to confront the boss openly. They're just going to do it behind his back. And they'll do it to their colleagues as well sometimes, you know, to the managers and whatnot. Someone like that, he's toxic for the workforce. He's toxic because his bad vibes influence everybody else. No boss wants to deal with such an employee. You have Tynus? Okay, you can go over to the boss in a nice way, say, you know, I feel like, you know, we have to, uh, you have to maybe make things a little bit easier. Maybe you have to give us more time. You have to give us better hours or... What, everybody's, what everybody hopes for in their job is to get a raise. That's fine. And maybe you'll get it. Maybe you won't. But walking around with those negative feelings, that toxic thing, very, very bad. And nobody wants to see that. And really, it can ruin a workforce and any other relationship as well. Passive aggressiveness is a terrible thing. But we have to understand, where does it come from? Like, how, Why does a person feel that way? So if you look at the psychology books, they explain to us that a person who feels that he's not deserving of something, then he's going to be scared to open up about it. Because let's say I have to confront you for something that I feel you did wrong to me. Now that's going to cause automatic, uh, you know, that's going to cause an automatic friction, right? And this person who's walking around with a passive-aggressive feeling, he doesn't feel confident enough in himself to speak up. He's scared of the confrontation. He's scared. What's going to happen? Maybe my boss is not going to like me. Maybe they're going to answer me back. They're going to scream at me. And, and he doesn't feel that he's deserving of speaking up and for himself, for his rights. So really, this boils down to a lack of self-esteem, a lack of self-confidence. And that's a big problem because if a person doesn't have that confidence, he doesn't have that feeling that 
I'm a human being like everybody else, and I have the right to be happy. And if you don't have that, then you're not going to be happy. And so this person, instead of confronting the situation that bothers him, he lets it stew inside. And he gives off these bad vibes, as we said, without actually dealing with it. And the Torah is telling us here very clearly, that's not a way to live. That's not a way to live. That's not a benodim l'chaveri. That's not the Rebbein Nishalaylam wants. And if you want to reach that level of the haftal l'recha then you have to feel confident enough in yourself that you should be able to speak up. Speak up. Deal with the situation. And then things are going to work out. One way or another, things are going to work out. And then, Taki, you can reach but it all boils down to this nakuda of self-esteem. You know, in Novardak, they used to say a joke. Novardak is well known that it was all about Beetle, about the Madrega Saladim, how a person really, uh, without working on himself, he's nothing. So, Abacha comes to Novardak on the first day, and say the Musa there was like Mamish, a storm. Of, of learning Musr with screaming and shouting and, and crying. And he hears two Bachim saying to them each other or saying to themselves, I'm a nothing, I'm a nothing, I'm a nothing. Like the Bitul Ayesh, which is what they would do in Novardak. And this youngster who just came to Yeshiva, he hears it, he says, Oh, that's what I'm supposed to say. So he starts saying to himself, I'm a nothing, I'm a nothing. And the Bachim look at each other, these two older Bachim were there for a few years, and they say, Look who thinks he's a nobody. Look who thinks he's a nothing. The point is that in order to believe that you're a nothing, you have to be somebody first. You have to build yourself up. Realize your goodness. Realize all your good characteristics, your good midas, and all the good things that you did. And all the good things that you're going to do. And now talking, you can say, but you know, that's not enough. I have to build myself up more. So now I'm a nothing. I'm going to be greater. But just to come and say I'm a nothing, that's not going to work. And this is really a foundation that the Torah is hinting to us very clearly that every single person has to have in himself. The person has to work on it and develop it. And I saw, there's a book that I have at home, it's called The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. And he describes self-esteem like this. It's by, by a well-known psychologist, I forgot his name. The person has to say to himself, I'm competent to cope with the realities and challenges of life, and I'm worthy of happiness. That's something that every single person has to say to himself. I'm worthy of happiness, and I have within me, the Rebbeinu Shalom gave me. The Koyches, if I'm in this world, he gave me the ability to deal with the realities of life. Which means that when difficult situations come up, in these matters of dealing, yes, I am allowed and I am able to stand up for my rights and to discuss it and to bring it up because that is part of who I am. It's part of the talents that was given to me by the Rebbeinu Shalalem himself. And as we see here, this is not only something that is important in psychology, but that's something that's important in Ruchnius as well. Because that's what the Rebbeinu Shalem wants from us, and he expects us. He expects, he expects us to stand up for ourselves because by the mere fact that he put us in this world and he gave us life, he's telling us, I have confidence in you. I believe in you, that you are able to carry out the tafka that you have in life. And Emele, you should believe in yourself as well. It's well known, Kutz, the Kutzka used to say, You know, uh, by Chassidim, you know, so it's very easy to, you know, everyone's trying to get close to the Rebbe, everyone's trying to be a certain way, and it's very easy to machmach and to copy other people. <coughs> Says the Kotzker, if I am I, because you are you, and you are, you are, you, you are you, because you are me, then I'm not I, 
and you're not you. What does that mean? If who you are is only because you see someone else doing the same thing, and you're just copying him, then you're not yourself. And he's not himself either. Each one is trying to copy the other. But if I am I because I am I, and you are you because you are you, then I am I and you are you. In other words, if I'm doing my, what I'm doing because this is what I'm supposed to do, and you're doing the same thing, then each and every one of us has his individuality, and he's living life as he's supposed to. And that is a lesson that we have to understand, is something that's integral to avoid this Hashem just as much as it's integral to the, part, to the life of every single human being. That we have to be ourselves, realize what the Rebbe Nishalaylam expects from us, realize the talents that he gave us, and live with it, and understand it, and appreciate it, and stand up for it when it's necessary. And then, Taka, we can reach that Gevald Gemadrego of the Haftal Arecha Kamarecha. The Arizal says that Kalal Yisrael in its entirety is really one big neshama. And that's why every single person, he has to try to broaden his, his feeling of, of self. Broaden your ani, your, yourself. It's not just me, it's you too. And it's you too, it's everybody. Because we're all part of one neshama. But in order to reach that level, a person first has to have a good feeling of self for himself. And then Taka, he can include in himself everybody else. And when we're able to internalize this and live like that, then we can live the life as the Torah wants us. As Erlech Hayyidin in Ben Adam Lamakam and also Erlech Hayyidin in Ben Adam Lachaveir and reach Taka this Gevaldiga level of of everybody of feeling the love and the connection between one Yid and another which is what the Rebbeinah Shalom wants from us. And as we said before that the employer said to his employee when we love one another, then the Rebbeinah Shalom reciprocates with his love as well. And I just want to conclude with a beautiful story. He's speaking about the topic of... We're ready to roll. Drive safe. Ari's getting ready to go to bingo. We're uh, uh, on the topic of... Dan Lekavzchus, a famous story. The Ksav Seifer was the Rashiva in Presburg in Hungary. And there was an Asifa of... Many, many big Rabbanim in Pressburg, in, in, in Hungary. Seventy Rabbanim showed up. How much the Gedele Hador at the time? And uh, it was a meeting about the yeshiva, I think, about the Pressburg yeshiva. And, you know, they discussed whatever they had to discuss. And then they sat down uh, to, to eat. And, you know, the Ksav Seifer was in a very, very upbeat mood because they, they dealt with whatever they had to deal with regarding his yeshiva. <coughs> and he says, I want to show you something. He takes out from his pocket a coin, an ancient coin. And he says, you see this coin? This is the shekel that was used in the time of the Beis HaMikdash. You know, the Torah talks about machtis a shekel, the shekel HaKadosh. You know, there was a coin, a shekel, a shekel that was used in the time of the Beis HaMikdash. This is such a shekel. He says, I have this Yerusha from my father who had a Yerusha from others. It's priceless. It's a priceless coin. Of course, everybody was uh, very, very uh, curious to see it. So they started passing it around. And as they're passing it around from table to table, so the self-service starts getting a little bit nervous. You know, what's going to be with this coin? He, he says, do you have it? Do you have it? Do you have it? Do you have it? Everyone's like, yeah. He says, okay, really, I, you know, if you don't mind, I want it back. And they said, okay, let's just wait till it gets till the end of the table, and then you get it. we'll send it back to you. Pass it down, pass it down. Okay, can you send it back? 
The coin is missing. He's, he's panicking. What's going to be? They look under the table. They look, you know, under the under the place, the dishes. It's not there. So says one of the rabbanim present. He says, you know, obviously somebody couldn't overcome the Sahara and he took it. Let's lock the door, which they did. They locked the door. He says nobody is leaving. What we're going to do is every single person is going to check the pockets of the other. And, you know, uh, it's eventually it's obviously it's going to show up because it's, it's got to be here in the room somehow. There was one Rav, an older Rav, Rabbi Huda Asad, also one of the Gedolim of Hungary, and he says, he says, I do not allow you to check my pockets. And he says, I don't think you should be doing this. He says, you know, because people are going to hear that the Rabbanim were checking each other's pockets. What kind of a Chil is this going to cause? But the Ksar is frantic. He wants his coin back. So they start checking one another. And when they reach Rav Asad, Obviously, nobody wanted to. T- nobody touched his. Nobody touched his pockets, because they were scared. Okay, all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. There's a little girl. She says, "Guess what? As we were clearing off the tablecloths and the plates, we found the coin. It fell into one of the plates, and it was brought into the kitchen for washing. We found it. Wow. Okay, Baruch Hashem. They bring you the the Cipher. He's elated. He's happy. And then everybody turns to Rav Asad and they say to him, "Why were you so against?" Searching your pockets. Obviously, you know you didn't, you didn't take it. That's when he reaches into his pocket. And what does he take out? The exact same type of coin. And he says, I had also my own Shekel HaKodesh. And I brought it here because I was sure I wanted to show it. You know, I wanted to cause people to, to see it. I'm sure people would be happy to see it. Right before I did it, the Ksav Sofer shows off his coin. So I didn't want to spoil his, you know, his excitement by saying I have the same thing. So I kept it in my pocket. Imagine if you would have checked my pocket and you would have, you would have found the coin. What would people have said? What would people have said? That Rabbi Yudah Asad, he stole a shekel. So, the lesson is, you know, we have to broaden our horizons. And since then, Look. all the guys in Walmart, the Schwarzes, they keep using the same stories. <laughs> yeah, so, we have to broaden our horizons, broaden our heart, and like we said in that beautiful story, develop a lave toive, an open heart, and a broad heart, and talk of the English, should bench all of us. Let's welcome, bro.